What's up, Danny? Season three. Are you excited? I'm excited. We're back. We're rolling. We're back. Uh, how's your week been? It's been good. Uh, it's been busy. I just uh, wrapped up some vacation, and uh, we did a little comedy last night, and so that yeah, was a lot did. of fun. But I'm ready to be back here. I feel like we've taken a break, and I'm ready to jump, jump back into this. You're rejuvenated, ready to talk about deconstruction some more? I think so, yeah. I've like I've <laughs> recovered from all the exhaustion of talking about it <laughs> for two seasons, and now I'm ready to jump back in. Love it, yeah. It felt like you took a second to be like, I'm pretty sure I know what rejuvenated means. Yeah, I had to spell it in my mind. Sorry. <laughs> um... Okay, well, I'm really excited for this topic, actually. Yeah, what do we got? Um, So, as I've talked to people about deconstruction, obviously, in a lot of ways, it's like a personal journey, but it also, it's something that a lot of people are doing right now, and I kind of see it as some sort of a movement, but a lot of people are seeing it as like a mass exodus from the church, and one thing that I heard, I was talking to one of my old pastors, and he was like, I think COVID had a way bigger part to play than we give it credit for in mm. the deconstruction movement. Yeah. Um, which I think is, I think that's interesting. But the, like what he said is he was like, the reason why I think that is because people weren't in church every week. And so they couldn't be reminded weekly what the truth is. And they were just left with their own brains. And then this happened. And I'm like, in a sense, I can maybe agree with that, but I don't think it's as negative as Heath said it was. Yeah, where that, are you at with that? Well, that's interesting. What kind of like, like what kind of denomination was this person? PCA. PCA. So it's just interesting. Like, and I don't know if you mm, heard yourself say this or not, but I just thought left alone with your own minds. Like, essentially, you're saying like people can't be trusted with their own faith development, and so and you're not saying that. But that's essentially what this um, person's 100%. saying. Hundred percent. And so that I would not like. That's really interesting for me because, like, in my own faith journey kind of personal study and I don't think this is just because I'm a, a pastor like a lot of the people that I grew up with or they would have been in my congregation like personal study has been such an important part of their mm. faith development and so for my upbringing it's like that's always been a part of it and so when the church and the physical location was taken away during COVID like my spiritual practices weren't taken away of like diving into scripture and praying and trying to be in community even if it looked different so I don't know, that's like an interesting take because it seems like a little bit of a it's more about the church than it is about the person deconstructing is what I hear. Oh, okay. Yeah. But this is something that we, this quote we said all the time, I think it's a CS Lewis quote and it said the quickest way to heresy is just me and my Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know that I like, so that I don't know that I disagree with. I think like community is important. Sure. Like faith has always worked out and theology at its best has worked out mm-hmm. in, uh, in the midst of community that being said, like heresy is just like its core is just at its definition is disagreeing with what the popular thing is. Right. Mm. And so like, there's a lot of people that would say you're a heretic for going through this. There's lots of people, uh, right. There's lots of people that say the same (laughs) thing, but I think like putting that together with COVID, like and saying like now all these people jumped this way because of COVID, I think would be in my evaluation, maybe a lazy jump and leap to make to say that people are deconstructing because of COVID, but maybe it was a catalyst to spur it on quicker. That might be true. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it's like a negative thing to say. I think COVID had something to do with this movement. However, I think why I had such a problem with that specific comment is because I agree with you that community is absolutely important in like knowing God. But it felt like 
it felt like what this pastor was saying was, um, this is a very cynical take, but I'm just going to say it. We didn't get to indoctrinate them every week, and then they went off on their own path. Yeah. And that really... Yeah, that's what I hear. It felt but sketchy yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, I was like, is that how you see church? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, like, for me, like, so I'm a pastor, and I've had some level of deconstruction over the last year. But mine's, like, I think I've said this early on, like, it's more around the identity of the church than my beliefs in Jesus. But I think, I don't know if I ever told you this, like, I remember the last time I preached, it was the Sunday before everything shut down before COVID and at the last church I was at. And we had two services, a nine and the 1045. And I remember sitting down uh, after preaching the nine and we're getting into the music and ready to go into the 1045. And I remember just being like, I'm so bored. I don't even want to hear myself talk right Whoa. now. Like, like, I was like, so all these people out here, like they for sure aren't going to want to hear this. And, but in that moment, like I remember even before COVID hit being like, I'm already starting to rethink what the church could and should look like. Mm. So then, yeah, going into COVID, like I thought it was really cool because the way I deconstructed was more like I was reorganizing the Lego pieces. Like we got to be really creative during COVID in the church I was at because we were trying to make church look ways that if in the regular circumstances, we never could have experimented with. But I'll have to say, like, I had those feelings before COVID happened, mm-hmm. and they were maybe catalyzed or spurred on faster because of COVID or in the midst of that. Um, but I think the idea that somehow COVID was what caused deconstruction for people, I think maybe isn't true, but maybe created a vacuum where it was able to happen in a safer space. I don't know. That's interesting. And I think I think it's, like, all of the above, right? I think. Yeah a lot of people were maybe already going through this and then yeah they did have a lot more time to think like quarantine was a time where i felt like i could just i wrote every day i watched a thought-provoking film every day because that's my version of fun um (laughs) (laughs) and then like like i just got to think and wrestle and sit with that and that's something i remember a friend told me she was like i feel like i have too much I feel like I it's too much time with just me in my own mind. And I said, I feel like I finally have time to just be with my own mind. Yeah. Which is interesting. Sorry, what are you saying? No, I think I like I think of that all the time, like having uh like I had this thought the other day, like I full time job, right? I have three kids, I have a, a wife, I have all these things and responsibilities, and rarely do I have the opportunity to like stop in the like the river's all moving forward mm. and you're like you're going full speed down it. You can't just like stop and take inventory often in the midst of like regular life. And I think in some ways COVID gave people an opportunity to take inventory of a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there was, I mean, I say all that to also to say like, there's a lot of negative things. So I'm not, I'm not the first person sure. to be like COVID was a blessing. I yeah. don't say, but it gives you opportunity to take inventory. Like my wife and I, we had not been married very long and we like grew as close as we'd ever been because we had eight, those initial eight weeks or whatever to like, just do life together. Like we didn't have work. We didn't have, uh, school we didn't it was just like us and our kids and like hanging out and all that and for us it was really really wonderful and in some ways like I think about our faith lives like that's kind of what we had the opportunity to do like mm. pull back from going to church and the rhythm of how are we doing things pull back from like hearing the kind of sermon structure that we've always heard and the way that it was preached to us to do a little bit more introspection and research of our own and then kind of inventory of our own spirit and I think as you look at COVID in that regard like that's an opportunity I don't know if I'll ever get again in that kind of way. And so something unique happened in the midst of it. I agree. And I um, switched gears a little bit. I would say 
looking at my own story, I could see there being people saying like, well, COVID kind of caused this to happen to Emily. So I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this that much, but like, so quarantine was, I mean, it, COVID was really bad for a lot of people. Quarantine was like, I'm someone that is bad with boundaries mm. and bad with, I really need alone time and I feel really guilty about it. And that was the first time where I didn't feel guilt about it. So sure. super dope. Um, but then I had already had a church internship set up mm-hmm. for that summer. And I called my boss. I was like, we're definitely not doing that right. And he was like, no, please go. <laughs> and so and I ended up going down. I was like the children's ministry intern. And okay. long story super short, like just because of the dynamics of, you know, who are you around and like social distancing, they had me like live alone. And then... Um, they said, like, with some other things in the church, I just had a summer of, like, living alone and doing ministry completely alone. Mm. Um, and I, like, asked the my boss, I was like, can I just do this from home? Because I'm just doing, like, I made virtual VBS and things like that. Sure. Um, like, you didn't need to physically be where right. you were. Yeah. And, yeah. It, far, far, like, I was 10 hours from my family. Okay. Um, and I did make these videos called Fruit Salad of the Spirit, which I'm really <laughs> proud of. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Uh, and we'll he put was, that on our Patreon. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said, I guess I'll just tell the story. Um, he was like, Emily, I think you need to have a hard summer. So I think you need to stay. Mm. Um, and I mean, I was just like bawling my eyes out. I was like, I'm so lonely. I can't do this. And basically like, and like, I was like, I'll get through the summer and be fine. Um, I ended up going home like at the end of the summer and if I was alone I would like just cry and be deeply anxious Mm. and like I I got very very depressed and I guess I thought that it was going to be like okay Emily we're going to have a hard summer it's like Emily versus the world and then I'll be fine but it's like you know oh like I was not fine and I ended up like having to start therapy and get on medicine like it was a really intense thing but I had people in my life say, like, Emily, I think that was a moment where you were disenchanted with the church in a lot of ways. Mm. And a lot of people would point to that and have pointed to that as, like, I think that was a moment where Emily's deconstruction started. Mm. And uh, do I agree medium? I think it was, like, a, a moment for me where I was like, oh, this is a moment where it's very tangible that the church really hurt me. And that started, that, like, opened the door to like actually start to process the other ways that I had been hurt. Yeah. Um, but like some people would say like, well, that was COVID's fault. Yeah. Which, and I'm probably not the only one with some sort of story like that. Like people getting burnt out in ministry via COVID. Yeah. I mean, I have countless number of people that I know that either, uh, like COVID did a lot in people's mm-hmm. spiritual lives. Like I have friends that left ministry altogether, people that have completely changed the way that they engage with church. Uh, like one of the old churches that I used to work at, like there are people that are would still say they're deeply engaged, but haven't been back in person since. Yeah. And what I think is interesting is like hearing your story, there's something that happened, right? Like there was a, a hard summer, a kind of a catalyst that happened in the midst of that. But we've talked about this early on, like you were already in some ways pulling out some of those pieces and you're starting to maybe question a little bit more to deconstruct, but you weren't full blown into deconstruction at that point. But this moment. Can I just, I actually would say I hadn't started doing that yet. You don't think you had? Yeah. 
this was well so maybe i'm missing your timelines i thought this was like post-college right because you had you started to ask a couple of questions right at that point so this was after my sophomore year of college oh. sorry well, that's on me yeah well screw me <laughs> edit that one out <laughs> this guy <laughs> um, uh so then you think so that's interesting so this is after your sophomore year of college yeah and then so you would say that's when your deconstruction began though in your juniorish year yeah yeah i think there were a bunch of things in that year that really led me to that mm. So what do you think, is there anything, like for me, I'll use this as an example, like I remember going into that last sermon and I was already starting to rethink some things, sermons, like, and so now like a tangible thing on the other side is like my sermons look very different in the way I've like tried to organize church because of what I had felt like as I was deconstructing what I knew about church had to be true and trying to reconstruct what we could make it to be. I see like tangible impacts of like there's more conversation in church. My sermons are more interactive. Uh, we have a community around tables and not in rows. Like there's certain things like that. Is there any stuff that like from that moment that you see has impacted or shifted the way that you live out your life and faith because of those things that were kind of spurred on in the midst of your deconstruction in COVID? I'm actually just going to be super honest. I think that that... I don't like my answer, but this is my honest answer. I think when I, when I think about that time, I'm so pretty upset about it. Mm. It's something that still comes up in like therapy for me and processing through it. So I don't know. At least I can't see the other side other than maybe I've learned to like fight a little bit harder for my needs. But yeah. church-wise, church-wise, I'm still like, that really sucked. Yeah. And I, like, I had people in the church in my life when I got back from that summer be like, well, Emily, that was on you because you should have just quit and left. And so then I was like, okay, well, now I have people in these church spaces that I trusted that, like, wasn't from that summer who were saying that that was my fault. Yeah. And so that's not really a good answer, but if I'm being honest, I think. Yeah, you're still too close to it, right? Even though it's a few years ago, I don't. I wish I wasn't. I wish I didn't feel this close to it. But yeah. I think that's still a really hard part of my story. And it opened up the way to, honestly, a lot of anger. Yeah. Well, even go, like, I'm just, I'm thinking about your story and that, like, and so this happens, not in isolation, like, that wasn't self-chose isolation, but, like, a lot of this was based out of, like, someone's decision to say, like, the best thing for you is to have a hard summer. And it's, like, yeah. being isolated and kind of being alone. And going back to your C.S. Lewis quote about, like, heresy happens in the... Mm. And, and so, I, but I think, like, when I think about that, like, the negative of you and your Bible being alone isn't... But, like, you were said, like, Christian community is going to happen. We're going to force it to happen, and you're going to be alone in the midst of all of this. And that's where I see, like, a really hard thing about uh, COVID as we've shifted mm. out of this, mm. is, like, we've had to redetermine what community can and should look like. And, like, for even for that community that's like, hey, you have to come down here. Like, that was people holding on to the old ways of things. Absolutely. And forcing you, in some ways, to, like, go through a really difficult time because the structure didn't understand how to be nimble and agile. And I think as we look at, like, where we're at in our faith now, I think, like, I see you and what you're doing. And maybe you don't see this, but, like, I've seen you really surround yourself with people and try to be in community, whether it's the comedy community or the church community or your teaching community. And, like, I think, I don't know if that's a reaction or you've always been that way, but... I find that uplifting to say like you had a really hard time in isolation and you found a way to like surround yourself with other people to really like lift you up and speak into you in your hobbies, but also in your faith and all that. And even being a part of this conversation, like mm. I think it's like saying like, I'm not going to do 
this whole thing alone. And like, you're actually not just doing it with me. You're doing it in like the most public forum because you're on a podcast, which yeah. I think is really interesting. And so. Thanks for pointing that out. And I think like, that's something it's interesting because I did ministry alone and COVID was for a lot of people, a really lonely thing. And then for a while, I felt like I was deconstructing alone. It was a really scary thing that I wasn't really sharing with a lot of people because I thought they would lose respect for me yeah. and all that. And I thought I was the only one feeling this way. And that is why now I'm so passionate about talking about it and like doing this and being open as open as I can, because I just, I don't want someone else to feel the way I felt either in that summer or in deconstruction of just feeling like I'm the only one and everyone else is just killing it faith wise. Yeah. And I'm, I've been really uplifted from the number of like people that have reached out, like since we started this, just to say like hearing the things that we've talked about and things you've shared specifically that have really impacted people. Cause I think it's hard. I, like my pastor friends, they're afraid to deconstruct because they have to project a level of confidence that doesn't create space for that. Uh, people that I know that are in churches that are congregants, they feel maybe like they're going to lose respect or their seat at the table or whatever. And I think helping people understand like, a, I don't think there's any sin in the process of deconstruction. Like we've talked about this before, we think it actually can be a really amazing vehicle for discipleship. Mm -hmm. uh, but also it's something that shouldn't have to be done alone. And so creating this kind of community, I think is really helpful for people to say like, I'm not crazy in these thoughts that I'm having, I'm not alone. Um, and it can actually be something that's really drawing me closer to Jesus. It's not something detrimental to my soul. And you know what you were saying about pastors like being afraid to deconstruct. One of the one of the first times I preached at the well, someone reached out to me and they're like, "Well, you shouldn't be doing this because you still have doubts. Like, so you shouldn't be allowed to speak." Don't in tell people when I text you. <laughs> <laughs> he asks me and then he's like, yeah. "I don't think this is a good yeah. call." <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, uh, but I heard I heard a sermon actually last week. That was really interesting. He talked about how right before the like Great Commission, he said, I think it's whatever. It says like many believed and some doubted. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples. Yeah. Like that did not disqualify anybody yeah. from that. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I think one of the things that and you said this a few uh, <laughs> I think you used the phrase uh, Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan, shows that Jesus is chill. Chill with, with failure. <laughs> yeah. But I think what's also interesting is like, it shows a level of Jesus being able to, and not being able to, but willing to and desiring to walk with people in the midst of their uncertainty, them getting it wrong and the mess. But we, for whatever reason, because I don't see this written in scripture, but we have projected a level of like, you have to have it all together. You have to have all the right answers. You have to have the right doctrine and dogmas and theologies. In Jesus, up until his death and resurrection, and even afterwards with people like Thomas, like he's still wrestling with people messing it up. And you go into Acts, in the book of Acts, and they're arguing and they're still getting it wrong. And it's like the idea that there's some level of like required certainty, which is something we've talked about before, is not what Jesus commands of us. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an amazing testament to that. It's like you don't have to have it right. But back to what we've been talking about, like all of that's done in the midst of community and friendship. It's never done in isolation. And so Jesus is actually pushing and challenging the people that are closest to him, but he's not shaming them for getting things wrong, but he's creating space for them to do it in community and kind of safety, which... And it doesn't have to be done in isolation, but it also doesn't have to be done in silence and it doesn't disqualify you. I think that's the thing. It's like, I think, I think we've... 
I think sometimes the conversation within the church around deconstruction has been like, you can do this, but maybe like take a step back from ministry and like just figure it out and then you can come back. And I'm not saying that some, sometimes that's wise if you're getting burnt out by that and you need a break, but like Thomas, Jesus did not say to Thomas, like, well, now you are not allowed to share the gospel because you struggled with that. He was still just as equipped and just as like for the, the mission. Yeah. And I think to like the the text you got because I don't know if you were fully able to dive into that comment because I railroaded you with a bad <laughs> joke, but I think like there is this idea that we think to be able to be a preacher, like someone that's sharing the gospel, that you have to have all the answers. But I think like what was really I thought uplifting about you sharing and hearing this from other people. So you got that text. I got a bunch of texts from people that were really encouraged by mm. it. And I think what it projected was like, oh, like. We're all in this together. Like churches, I saw a church ad that said, like, we don't have all the answers, uh, but we'd love to have you come and wrestle with the questions with us. Uh, but I also know this church, and I know they don't believe that. And so, <laughs> like, what I think is we say one, we talk out of both sides of our mouth sometimes. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool testament of having you preach to be like, hey, like, we're actually all in this together, and we're going to wrestle with this. And you might not leave with any more answers than you came in with or questions you came in with, but you're going to be invited to be a part of the conversation. Mm, because often I think if you leave with answers from a sermon, how for sure are we about those? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like if you're into your point, even going back now to what we said at the beginning, like the reason uh, people deconstructed is because they weren't getting indoctrinated in the church, as you said it. Like if the church's only purpose is to weekly remind people of the answers so that they can like stay, then it seems like maybe we're not, at least in my opinion, and I say this all the time, I could be wrong. And so, like, this is just my opinion. But I think that's not at its best what the church could and should be. I think, yeah, I think the church should be. I think think COVID, for the first time, we actually did sit and wrestle with a lot of stuff. And, yeah, we were sometimes in isolation, but hopefully we found ways to still sometimes do that in community. I feel like I had really good spiritual conversations in the midst of COVID via Zoom or whatever. Um, But that... I think what that did is it pushed up against the culture of the church, which was one of there's really no room for doubt or questioning and wrestling. And I think that that is what came to the forefront in COVID. And that's why this feels like a, a movement. Yeah. But but think about it. I w- this is the research I did. Okay. Um, before the Reformation, there was a plague. And after the Spanish flu, there was another like some, I forgot it. Uh, so there is something like, it's interesting that after, and I was reading the article I read was interesting because it was very much like, so we have to be worried when we see a national tragedy because people will leave. Like Hmm. it was very much, it was like from a church perspective, it was actually like a seminary article saying like, so when this happens, we need to fight for the truth. But I'm, but I know for a fact that that article, those people love the reformation. Yeah. So we have this really weird, I know I talk about this a lot, but it's like, if you're pro-reformation, you should be pro-deconstruction. Yeah. Because then we're pro, Martin Luther said reformed and always reforming. That was the heart. And that is, I think is what this is. We were left alone in our, with our minds and we were like, there is some messed up stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and there's just, I think people love the aftermath of reformation. Very few people like to do the work of, of reforming and i think that's hey thanks that's so i think like line. and i watched that in the midst of where we're at communally like people want to get to the other end but like going through the muck of that process is hard 
I say that all the time. I, I mean, I told my therapist, I was like, I just want to be, I just want to be done and figure it out. Yeah. And she was like, well, that's not really how it goes. Yeah. And it's harder, like, and kind of like I said, like with having kids and all this, and I feel like I'm going upstream full, like I can't ever stop. Mm. Like, that's the hard thing is like, you're trying to get yourself across to the other side of the river and it's like, but it's really exhausting in the midst of it. But like, I think that's where I see for us as a church. Like, I feel like I can see the other side and I think there's something really beautiful, but it doesn't mean it's like any less exhausting. And because we're talking about, it, I think there is often an assumption that like, and maybe I won't speak for you, but like that I'm like fully enjoying the process of all, like, of, like, I think it's exhausting. Like brutal. Yeah, there are times I go to bed and I'm just like emotionally, physically, spiritually exhausted. And I think but my exhaustion doesn't like put value positive or negative on this. Mm. And that, okay. I had this thought as you were talking of, you were saying like, okay, for a little bit, for eight weeks or however long there was just a pause on life. Yeah. Right. And if for people, um, if that is when it started is when there was a pause and life wasn't at its full speed, it's hard to keep that, um, like rigor kind of of, sure. of processing and deconstructing when life gets back to normal. Yeah. Normal. And that I think was a really, really hard part for me mm. is I remember fast forward to like the first semester of my senior year of college. I mean, I slept so much because I just was like, I mean, it was, it was all I thought about. I mean, it consumed me because and I didn't have time like I had in the summer I had during COVID like I had to do normal life I had to do work I shared this story on our TikTok but like I, I I'm a good student and I hated doing this but I messaged one of my professors and I was like I'm sorry that there is some late work I am having a faith crisis and I was like that feels like a fake excuse but that's what's happening yeah and she responded so kindly and beautifully. She was like, Emily, are you even in college if you haven't had a faith crisis? And I was like, thanks, queen. Um, and she was like, and I, like, I ended up getting on my work in late. But, and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, I think you should be really proud of yourself that you like, got it done in the midst of something that is mentally and intellectually like, and emotionally so exhausting. And that, that was like, ugh, I mean, that how much like, beauty and grace was shown to me in a like secular university for yeah. lack of a better term. Yeah. Well, I think that's the call of us as community is to create spaces of grace like that for other people to engage. Um, I like, so I listened to a podcast not long ago and it was, the episode was about uh, disappearances, like people that like left their communities and, and like started new lives other places. Mm. And it's like psychology says it's like one of the most common fantasies among people is like being able to like leave and start somewhere fresh and new, whether yeah. it's like leave their family or they're an individual. And the core of why that is, is because very rarely do you have the opportunity to like pause and stop and like just rest. And I think that's what that opportunity COVID gave people like you can't to pause, you're able to stop, you're able to rest. And now our call as a community is how like we know we can't do that. That's like a rare thing to be mm. able to stop like that. So how do we do what your professor did and create spaces of grace that allow people in the best way possible to pause and stop? That's hard. Like, I'll say one of my ways, this is not quite us like creating a space, but like, it's why I fell in love with stand-up comedy. I mean, I remember asking my mentor, I was like, 
am I like numbing out or like being distracting or like trying to distract myself? Yeah. And I remember she looked at me and she was like, it is okay to take breaks. This is a really hard thing. And it was a, it was an hour, like a Netflix special where I could just laugh yeah. and be like, okay, we can laugh. And there's still joy and beauty and humor in the midst of something that feels really dark and intense. And I just want to figure it out. Just so adorable. It's adorable. So what this season ahead of us, like I think the idea of movement in the, the movement that is being, I think that's going to be a really interesting thing that I think weaves through what we're talking about. And mm. I think will be a really interesting maybe theme uh, and thread that we see through this. But as we like embark on this journey that we've been embracing now for two seasons and going to our three third, um, what do you hope for? Like where, like, I know we've done some work. Yeah. Uh, and I say work, like I, we've had some good conversations. We've had people join us along this journey, mm-hmm. but what is your greatest hope for where we go in this next kind of season together? Both so, maybe for you individually, but for our community. Cause I think at the core of what we talked about is like, this isn't just an us thing. We're in this together now. And so what's your hope? One really quick. When we call it a movement, I think that makes everyone feel less alone. I think sometimes we overemphasize the fact that deconstruction is an individual journey, which I think it also is. But when I hear deconstruction is a movement and it's something that's happening, what some people who are anti-deconstruction will be like, well, then you're just doing it because it's trendy, which just makes me angry. But like, what it makes what it makes me hear is I'm not alone in this, and I'm processing together. And so, like you said, I think that's a huge thing. Um, I think what I'm hoping for in season three is I think we have some exciting conversations lined up. Uh, I hope that we can can continue to be more vulnerable. I felt like season two, um, especially toward the end, like it got a lot more vulnerable and not where we expected and we let it go there. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. Um, Because I think the more open we can be about our stories, the more, again, the more people feel like they're not alone. That's, and I also really appreciated what you said about how, embracing the journey doesn't mean always enjoying the journey and I'm really glad you said that because I think sometimes we feel like it needs to be that or if we're not enjoying the journey this is sorry this is a long answer um I'm used to it now (laughs) I I hear okay pre-Emily deconstructing when I was like fundamentalist in it when I heard people say like deconstruction is hard and painful I was like well then that should show you and that's anti-God. Yeah. And so, and sometimes that voice still gets in my head a little bit. And so I feel like I have to prove that I'm having a great time so that people don't think I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, that's interesting. When in reality, it's, oh, it sucks sometimes. Yeah. I'm that's... so glad that I'm going through it, but that's different than enjoying it. Hmm. That's good. I would echo that. I think this is an exciting uh journey we've been on thus far i think the stuff we're going to talk about moving forward i think will be really cool uh though i don't know all of it it's more in your head so i'm just excited to find (laughs) out but i'm excited because i think i'm watching around us other people that have been maybe felt like they've been alone or felt like they had to be silent and they're becoming more vocal uh they're becoming more connected and i think as we do this uh, together we're going to be stronger and better so i'm just excited to see where this goes i love that um, any final thoughts? Those uh, are your final thoughts. Those are my final thoughts. Okay. Uh, well, hey, thanks for listening and embrace the journey.